Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of On Tap. Today, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Jake Giller. Jake, hey. how's it going today, man? They got the studio right here. They have the casting couch in the back. Yep. It's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, we're over trying here, to figure man. out our own version of plug talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually our first yeah, guest. That's why go. we invited you. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, you are a your performer. Yes. We're actually going to your show. Yes. July 25th. Fucking lit. 7th Street Entry. Can't wait. Our buddy Jordan, SLF, behind camera right now. Shout out. He's going to be there. Yes, he is. He's also performing. Yes, he is. So, give us give us a rundown. You know, obviously, I think people's first thing that comes into their head when they hear I'm a musician or I rap, they think SoundCloud rappers can run us through like what in your head, do you think differentiates you from any of these other people who claim that they're rappers? And Just, why should people listen to your music? Okay. Are you in and uh to to help with me answering this question when you say like differentiate from other people, are we gonna keep the people that are already established out of this answer? Like Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. You tell me, you pick it. Okay. So yeah, if we put those people that are already established, you know, they they already got a following, they're making a living off it. Perfect. I think uh, what differentiates me is just the growth I've had over the years. At first, when I started, I fell into the trap of being an artist, wanted to get uh, famous and get money quick. Yeah, I was super money or yeah, money motivated, clickbait motivated, trying to get as many followers as I could, and I just fell into that fell into that trap for a long time. I became arrogant for a little bit when I was younger doing this shit. I thought I was thought I was the man for a long time, and then. You know, I just, I got humbled and I took a step back and I was like, you know, I need to just be me. I need to do this shit for the reason I love it, not because I'm going to make a dime off of it. And I think that's what separates me is I just talk about myself and any music you hear. I talk about the things that happened to me in my life. I don't try to gloat about trying to get a fancy car or, you know, wearing foreign clothes or designer clothes. I never talk about that shit, but... Yeah, I just I'm just I see you got real, you know somewhat of a designer cloth on right now. Oh, just a grave digger shirt. Dude, you know, I'm some a vintage. Big fan of this shirt. <laughs> it's yeah. sick. Absolute classic. Huge I, grave digger fan. Oh man. One, one thing that you said, you know, hot topic kind of reminds me of Kanye in the Kanye documentary where he just talks about like I can't sell to these people that I'm out killing people on the streets yeah. and slanging drugs. They're going to look at me and be like, "Yeah, right, dude." Yeah, bro. So his thing was I'm just going to speak from the heart, tell my story. And hopefully people relate. And I mean, I feel like that's where you come from. More like, it's you can't just go on there and be like, yeah, I killed five motherfuckers. Nope. You know, it's just. Well, and dude, to even tie in that, I'm a white guy that's in a predominantly African-American uh, culture. Or what's the term I'm looking for? Predominantly African-American genre of music. Yep. So I can't just go into the scene rapping about shit like that or rapping about street shit because I would just look funny doing that in term maybe if i was in that lifestyle it might make sense but no I, I just have to be me i have to be that i have to respect the space i'm in yep give respect and pay homage to that that culture itself because i fell in love with that culture and that music so i just have to take the inspiration and love i have for that and do whatever i can to give myself in that form if yeah. that makes right. sense right. yes yeah, so Let's take it back a little bit. Let's yeah. get this origin story. So how long ago did you start making music? It was 2015. So it was going my senior year, go, actually going into my senior year. So it was 2014 summer. 
I, I was always the guy around. Uh, so, you know, in high school, there's always that crew of guys that are, you know, dropping freestyles, whether it's yeah. at the lunch table, on the school bus, you know, yeah, going yeah. to football games or some shit, or just at the house parties and fucking ciphers are going on. Blackout kids oh, yeah. at like one in the morning just dropping freestyles. <laughs> fucking, oh, uh, yeah. And that that's, I was always the guy that would hype my friends up like, yo, spit a freestyle. I'm trying to record it and put it on Vine, if you guys remember yes. that. Fucking right. Like the six dude, second Vines, Vine. man. And like, dude, I just... I would do that because I just loved it in general. Like I was super big Mac Miller fan back then. I just loved rap and hip hop music, but I never saw myself doing it. And then one day I just got really stoned with some friends of mine and I was like, Hey, let I think me, I want to try and rap let me with do you it. guys, dude. Yeah. And I tried it. It was fucking trash. <laughs> but anyways, I was like, yo, I kind of like this. So started making music going into my senior year and, uh, just started doing it more and more into like, it's almost going to sound cliche, but it got to the point where, you know, going through the hallways, I would listen to instrumentals in my headphones yep. or in fucking study hall. I would write raps on a notebook, not on my phone when I yep. had a notes app right there. Right. But yeah, I just like started doing that. And then, yeah, time goes on. I dropped my first song after I graduated. And yeah, I mean, moved to Mankato a couple years later. Actually, let me rewind. After I uh, going my senior year when we were making music, I was in a group called Grove Music. So I'm from Invergrove Heights, graduated at Simley. I uh, was in a group called Grove Music. It was myself, Joey Bar Barboza, or Joey Barstad, dropping legal names today. Uh, we <laughs> had uh, Justice, Andre, Junior, and a good friend of mine, Cody Albright, as well. So it was a group of us. We were all making music together. And then that kind of fell off. As time grew on, because, you know, we some of us were graduating, we were moving away. Moved to Mankato after that and met Eric from Waterwave. I was making music with my buddy Trey, and Eric wanted to uh, add me as an artist onto Waterwave. And I was like, fuck yeah, I like the idea of yeah. what you're doing. And this is like fresh Waterwave. Like, they just started their YouTube. I think they only had like 100 subscribers, if that, maybe less. Very fresh time. And, you know, like, the rest is history, man. Like, I can go on talking about it for, like, yeah. Yeah, ever, but I'm just trying to Where, summarize it. What what points did you think to yourself, like, I really want to pursue this? Like, was there one particular point when you were, like, coming up when you thought to yourself, like, okay, this might this might be something. Like, you, you obviously get some sort of validation yeah. from someone else where it was like, okay, this is sweet. When I had, had this Minnesota Song of the Summer in 2018... What was that? My song Young Ones Living. So 95.3 in the cities oh, nice. was playing it. So like, yeah, that was a super cool moment, that's man. That's like, awesome. It was fucking cool. And like, I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, yeah. fuck yeah. Okay. And and that's at my time where I was a little arrogant. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm about to get fucking rich. I'm about to blow yeah. up. Didn't happen, but I think that's cool. like everyone's initial reaction to that first little like jump up in yeah. traction too, though. It's like, oh, I'm onto something. Like I got it. Yeah. You man. know, and then it's like, um, I don't remember what it's called, but there's there's a name for it, that curve where it's like when you're learning, when you're first getting into something, you you get to a, a peak really, really fast. And you plateau. And then you plateau. Yeah. And then it, if you don't continue through it, you just kind of fade out. But if you push yeah, through man. that, that's where you know everyone comes right back up eventually if you just keep cracking away at it no matter what it is. Yeah, dude. That And honestly, I, I, I fell victim to that keep going down for a little bit. So... Yeah, so I had that song of the summer. Then the year after, I thought I was even getting crazier. I went flew flew to Vegas to link with a, a producer on Slaughter Gang. So that's Twenty One Savages record label. His name's Damn. Kid Hazel. But I f fucking 
in a sense, I fumbled the bag because we paid him a thousand bucks for a beat pack. I went there. I got too starstruck in the moment. I didn't record anything because I, I got in my head. I was like, oh my. I was like, so yeah. starstruck. I was like, this Almost dude works. Almost that imposter syndrome where you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, that's what started happening. And I was like, this dude worked with Lil Baby, 21 Savage. Like, what am I doing? Me, yeah. just this corny ass white guy. Like, fuck. <laughs> right. And like, to this day, I still have a beat pack of his, but. I haven't made anything with them, so maybe one day I will, but I own the beats that he sent me, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens, and yeah, so after that, you know, time went on, I just kept going down, and like, dude, it grew to a point where like, I didn't make music for a while, so like, I, the song I just dropped is the first song I've released in like a year and a half, because I was just like, I got so damn. low, I was like, damn, I don't know if I can do this anymore, but life happened, you know, got engaged, Yep. other things were happening, I almost started looking at it looking at myself like it was corny almost like people would ask me about the music or ask me to play songs of mine and i'd be like hey bitches you need a new bitchin hat head on over to the description of this video and click the link for twistedbitchcattlecompany.com use code ONTAP10 for 10% off your next order to get yourself one of these bitchin hats don't be a bitch i feel weird about it yep. and then i just started i started making the the project reflective therapy and the first song titled reflective therapy i just talked about how i just self-reflecting in a sense and it just like awoken that music bug again and i was like holy shit why am i gonna stop i need to do it because i love it time yeah. back into what we were talking about a couple minutes yeah. ago like do what it got you I to love start it. yeah what got you to start in the first yeah. place yeah i mean we've definitely felt that too doing this podcast we've done it for three years now yeah dude it doesn't it even seem like that it does not seem like that but i mean we've gone through i'm gonna say we're on our like fourth or fifth different version of what it is right now originally it was like yeah. let's just see how drunk we can get and hopefully something funny gets said we can clip it out yeah and that was like the whole model and obviously that's not sustainable you know yeah. like there's definitely days where we would just show up and we'd like force ourselves to get drunk and then it's like not the same product you know dude, it, was, it was crazy we would take like five six shots throughout an episode i feel like i, re I remember clips seeing you guys with like a bottle of liquor here yeah. just taking turns taking oh, yeah. shots dude, and one shit, of us dude. would just grab the bottle and start everybody up <laughs> shit it's not sustainable because like you you know we came in here with that mentality like oh i don't really i don't have the energy to like put on that like i'm getting fucked up the yep. face you know so we had to change it we had to pivot we had to pivot <laughs> but dude it's, it's the, keep doing it the beauty of that is you're you're trying you you're you you gotta fail to succeed right so like right. i wouldn't say it was failing but you're you're trying the different avenues to see what works for you guys. I mean, there, yep. if there was ever a point that was close to failing, it was definitely at one point on this show. Like there was a point where um, our our friend Tyler, who comes on here too, yep. uh, we would call each other like, "Dude, we didn't get zero downloads today. We, we got a download. Are you Hell kidding me? Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, we dude. went we went seven days without getting zero downloads. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking awesome. Now it's dude. like if we did that, it'd be like, wow. I why are we doing it? Even yep. you know, I couldn't even fathom that even being an option right now. Let me ask you guys as a guest on your show, how what is the origin story of on tap with the boys? So Cody can take the original and then I'll fill in once I enter the <laughs> Okay. Once I enter the picture. So uh, originally we started actually like back in my in my basement of my house. We it's always in a basement. Audio only. No video. Oh, shit. And uh, it was, uh, there was four of us, just uh, me, Tyler, Tucker, and our friend Dalton. Mm -hmm. And um, all four of them, or all the three other ones, kind of rotate in and out. They've been on within the last couple of weeks to all three of them. So 
we're all still friends. You know, everyone just gets busy. Yep. They got kids and jobs and <laughs> life happens, man. Yeah, on, fuck. Um, so for it started in my basement and I just had this bar in my basement. And I remember we just had like one night a week where um, we would just like get together and shoot pool in my basement and we'd just be sitting at the bar waiting in the night, just like bullshitting. And I was like, oh, we got to record this. And yeah. I feel like that's the cringiest thing to say because everyone says that. Yep. And they're like, oh, we would be so funny. <laughs> I've definitely we said that a couple so times. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this was kind of back in the time when it wasn't really that cringy yet to say that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Know? So I was like, fuck it. I'm doing it. I'm buying. A, I, I bought a mixer board. I bought four mics. Um, basically, any program that I thought would work. And we just started recording. And uh, the first, I want to say like one or two, maybe we didn't put out. And then I was like, all right, we, we should like structure this. You know, like I'd start doing bits where we'd like, you know, I'd write out all these trivia questions and we just answer trivia and then wherever it went from there, whatever. <laughs> and um, it kind of morphed into something that we, we were making a little bit of money off of. We started getting like sponsorships, like local yeah, places dude. wanted to put their names on it so that they could get seen from the people locally. And uh, we started getting some traction locally. So I was like, you know what? I bet we could justify like having our own space. Okay. Yeah. And I also had started my own freelance videography company at the same time. So I was like, it'd be sweet to have an office that's not my house because then I can actually get work done. Mm-hmm. So when we weren't recording, I'd have a place. And then also if I had a bunch of people there, it wouldn't be weird. Like yep. my wife isn't like telling me like, hey, I'm trying to sleep. Like keep it down. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice having your own spot. So we got the studio. It was actually down the street from here it was this basement dungeony the walls were rock i mean it was like it, dirty dirty if i were a woman you couldn't pay me to go down in that basement like, and it was <laughs> it was bad when we first moved in there it used to be a pet grooming place and there was like the whole basement was uh really there was this like cat litter and and poop everywhere and Damn, so i cleaned the whole thing out down there i cleaned the whole thing out thoroughly multiple times and so it was it was good by the end but yeah it was uh yeah, just like slowly started gaining traction. And then we're like, you know, I think we might be onto something. And then we, uh, 10 episodes in, we switched to video and we had um, Miles, the You Betcha guy on, the Bush Light guy. Yep, yep. Um, and then we got a, a, just had a good relationship with with him and, and his camp after that. And I ended up getting a job with them. So I worked up there for nine months. Hell yeah. And then during that time, you know, uh, I was just coming back here every weekend to do the podcast on the side. And, uh, basically got to a point where i was like you know what we're getting a little bit more traction i think i'm just gonna do this full time so i quit you betcha move back here Fuck we've been yeah. doing the podcast hard ever since Damn, so that's, that's been awesome. like probably about a year and a half i'm guessing year. yeah because so they they had it going and then i i came in as a guest spot i made a couple funny tiktoks they thought it was funny whatever they asked me to come on well, my first episode was an absolute shit show. We got blackout drunk on the episode. Is that still online? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to watch we it. Ended up, we ended up sleeping at the studio Went that to night. the bar, closed down the bar, came back to the studio, had it ripping. I pass, I literally passed out head on the desk. Well, it was recorded? <laughs> no. When we got back from the bar. First time I ever hung out with these guys like this. Oh, my God. And so then I told them, I was like, dude, if... You guys ever need someone to fill in? Because one of their main guys, Tucker, he he had just had twins, and he was busy as fuck with work, whatever. So he was like pretty much out of the picture at this point. And I was like, if you guys ever need someone to fill in, like let me know. I'm down. Well, they had me fill in a couple of times. It went good, and then they were like, "Dude, do you just want to be a part of this?" And that Hell was yeah. not. It was not last January, the January before, 
and then from then on we just started ripping it up and it's even since i've been a part of it we've had people come in we've had people leave but cody and i just keep the show fucking rolling i (laughs) I love it man we gotta i love it gotta dude there's beauty in that too though right like you would you guys are doing this for so long, and then you said it was like your first time really hanging out with like Cody. You yeah. said right, and then just an opportunity yeah. arose right there. Yeah, That's the power it, of network. It is, yeah. Definitely. It's a di- definitely a different dynamic because like originally the four of us that kind of started all together, like we were really close friends. Yeah, and then everyone just gets busy. Like the older you get, you know, like yeah, dude, in that like uh, eighteen to twenty five range, you know, you really you you gain a lot of friendships and you also lose a lot of friendships in that yes, short period of time. It's so strange. Dude, so I, we're I just kind of working through that. One thing that was really nice about when I so when I first started, like I told Cody, like if you ever need a guy to fill in, like let me know. Well, when I first started coming around all the time, I everybody that would come through the studio would be like, dude, can I come on? Can I come on for an episode? Like it was a very frequent thing. And then I'm sitting there like, damn, these motherfuckers yeah. picked me. Like I, <laughs> there's been 20 guys in the last couple of weeks asked to be on. I'm like, all Hell right, yeah. maybe I got something going. And I, that was just a little confidence booster I needed because I was I was a broken person, dude. Like I, I would walk into a bar and I would assume everybody's looking at me, laughing at me. Like in my, it was all in my head. Like yeah. I just, I had no confidence. I just tried to be funny to get attention, good attention towards me. And all of a sudden, then I started the show, and then my confidence went up, and it, everything worked out great. But it was definitely, it was fucking, it was nerve wracking. I bet, bro. Cheers to that, by the way. Cheers, Cheers, brother. Yeah, bro. So we, you know, we started out when we first got into our in our into our other studio in the basement studio. We tried to like have a bunch of people in the studio while we were recording, and. And I always think it's fun because it's always like fun, like feeding off of the energy oh, of sure. everyone that's in there. You can tell if it's good or not, or if it's funny, if they're laughing or if they're not laughing. Yep. If you don't have that, if you don't have that feedback, then you don't really know until you put it out and then it's like too late. And it's like, oh, I wish I just wouldn't have done that or edited <laughs> that out, whatever the case yeah. may be. So when you like first started doing live performances, how was that transition? Like, were you always like, totally cool with it or did you have a little bit of stage fright going into the performances i definitely had stage fright but funny story so my senior year of high school me and my buddy franz where we don't talk as much now because life happens he lives yep. a while a while away but we were like yo it's our last fucking year of high school it's our last semester or whatever on some funny shit let's go try out for the play we've never yeah. acted in our life bro so we fucking were like all right cool we're gonna go on the last day of auditions and they were doing the the show uh, Hairspray, if you guys have nice. ever heard of that. Yep. So me and him fucking, you have to get on stage and sing in front of people. We both did it and we both got lead roles, bro. That's and awesome. the theater crew hated us. I like, believe oh, that. I that bet. crowd of kids, they were on bullshit. It was to the point where we're like, we go to the first day of uh, rehearsals and we're like, we like look at each other and you know when you give your boy that look, you're like, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. Yeah. We both like looked at each other and we were like, we backed out. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Before the actual play? Yeah. We were like, fuck this, bro. Because nobody, <laughs> none of the theater crew liked us, man. Like, they were pissed. Dude, that's something else, too. Because when you get hazed by the group that you think is getting hazed by everyone else, yeah. it's like a different level. Oh, oh dude. It's hit, man. Like, the losers <laughs> are making fun of you. It's I was like, like oh, shit. This is tough. But yeah, transitioning that into uh, performing. 
Um, what was? <laughs> did he just fall? He just fell back. Shout out! Shout out! SLF. He be falling. Oh yeah, that was one of the Let's chairs. Go. One of the broken chairs. What? Uh, what was the question again about performances? Uh, if you had any stage fright starting out doing it. Oh yeah, definitely, dude. I would. Woo, boy. You ever like freeze up like eight mile Eminem style? Where you just like I, on stage like. It it wasn't that. What would happen to me is I'd get so caught up looking at people, like locking eyes with someone while I'm performing, and it would stump me. So I'd forget my lyrics. Dude, I've always wondered, like performing, like do you just like glaze over, like lock eyes with people? I've that's one thing I've always wondered. You know, there's so many eyes to see. So many eyes. What it what I do is when I start the performance, I look at the back of the room. So I look at the wall. Once I get in my groove and I start, you know, dancing and shit on yeah. stage, then I'll start looking at people. But it's like a quick one second look. It's like, you know, like yeah. looking at people yeah. like that. Because if I lock eyes, I'm going to forget some shit. And then I have to freestyle, which a lot of performers do that, actually. Yeah. They'll they'll f- stumble and like for like the last like two rhymes, they'll freestyle it. But nobody yeah. ever knows. You, ho- you hold the mic out. Hope they know yeah. Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> so walk, walk us through your first show. Where was it at? Yeah. How did it go? My first show was at this venue called The the Garage. It was in Burnsville, Minnesota. It was when I was with that group, Grove Music. And um, how it went was we started drinking, and then I woke up the next day. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck happened? Did someone hey, get a face tat who lost a tooth? Like some hangover shit. But I saw videos, and it was one of those times where like I was watching the videos, and I like... I almost had to look away because I was like, damn, dude, I made a fool of myself. I was like completely forgetting the lyrics to every song, just freestyling. And yeah, it went like shit. So how did you guys book the first gig? How did that all go down? Um, it, We had, were looking for venues. And honestly, all we did is we we looked at venues all around. You find, you go through like the contact us and then you just reach out to that whatever generic email it is, like the garage burnsville at gmail.com or whatever. Yep. And you're just like, hey, we're looking to get a bo- show booked. Uh, etc like this is us this is our music and then they have a uh, a booking agent reach out to you and at the garage it's actually a super cool venue for like any local artist trying to come up because you don't have to pay to get the show started what happens is they they have the event or they they host everything like they have the stage the mic setups you they sell the tickets you get i think it's like three bucks a ticket that's sold so they'll sell the tickets for like 12 bucks nice. you get three dollars every ticket so they take a majority of it, but that's worth you, it. Yeah, though. that that it's worth that at that yeah. point, especially yeah. at that level. I mean, that's we're such, not. Yeah, that's so good too for uh, artists that don't have the capital to be able yeah, to put man. towards sound equipment. I mean, sound equipment alone will make or break the whole show. If your mic is sounds like shit, man, or you're I've, playing off of a little JBL speaker or something, that's not good, dude. I've had mics go out, cut out, or like corded mics. The mic gets unplugged. Uh, Man, it has been. And the, the <laughs> tough part when you're not a huge name, yeah, people don't give you the patience. Nope. You know, they're like, "Fucking can't even figure out his own fucking show." You <laughs> yeah. know, they just they yeah. don't fuck around. And dude, I can't. It must be so stressful being up there because if something goes wrong, if the people aren't fucking with you, a lot of times these big guys, their name saves them. Yeah, hundred percent. When you're on the come up, you know, there's just no room for it, and that's that's got to be rough, dude. Yeah, I mean, co- completely switching the subject but in terms of performances this is the first time i've ever talked about this live <laughs> only my my fiance knows about this and i think michael knows but i opened for riffraff one year this was okay. like two years ago dude and i got drugged by a girl no shit Holy she fuck. came she came to the show she told me she drove six hours to see me 
And I was like super excited. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is so awesome. She asked if she can get me a drink, and it was me, my fiance, her, and our group of friends that were hanging out, and this was right after my performance. And I only had a beer, and I had like I didn't eat anything that would have gotten me sick earlier that day. She brings me back the drink. We're all hanging out. 30 minutes later, I just I was sitting at the table and I was just like, like a brick wall hit me. I was like, oh shit. I look at my fiance and I was like, I don't feel good. I had to get carried out of this venue. No way. Bro, she had to bring me to some sketchy ass hotel or motel, actually. Passed out, fully clothed in a bathroom. There was cockroaches on the floor. I'm oh sure one God. crawled in my fucking nose or something. Holy fuck. Fuck, bro. Like it was bad. But yeah, I got drugged. But I survived. Dude, that's horrible. Damn. I mean that, yeah, man. that had to be a huge moment for you. Like, it, in the moment before the drug, yeah. And then, you know, at that point, when you're already off stage, you're on your cloud nine moment. You're sitting there like, oh, holy dude. fuck. And then for that to happen, that's just heartbreaking. Oh, it was some know? bullshit. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> it was. Yeah, no, a cloud nine from performing. And then having somebody at that moment tell you like they drove six hours to see you that you don't yeah. know. And then that. That's sick. <sighs> Talk about man. going up and yeah. then plateau. Right. That's exactly what yeah. happened, man. Absolutely. Fuck. So uh, speaking of getting drugged, I was in college. Went to a frat party. Oh, right? shit. Did they and, haze you? Me, no, no. Oh. Me and my buddy are there. We got in because we were with a bunch of these very good-looking women. Right? Of course. Always like that Two in Two guys, six women. They're like, all right, you get a pass this time. Yeah. We go in. First room we go to, you know, it's like a, looks like a dorm room. You know, it's like this huge hallway, rooms on every side. There's like 20 rooms in this thing. First room we go in, bunch of shots on oh, this table, shit. pre-poured. Yeah, and that's never good. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't trust this already. So he, the guy in there, he's like, you guys want a shot? And I was like, uh, I'm good. And my buddy was like, yeah, I'll take his. <laughs> boom, boom. Takes two of them. We go out of there. And I'm not kidding you. It was 10 minutes later. He said he could shit through a screen door because it was laxatives is what we were guessing. Oh, my so they were God. So everyone shots of laxatives. <laughs> So buddy's oh just got God. diarrhea in the middle of this Yo. party now. <laughs> that is having to run to the up. bathroom. That I bet the bathroom no, line was long. No doors on the stalls. People are just hanging out in the bathroom, so it's awkward. You know, bro. I yeah, have seen this. Not good. I've only seen this in Wisconsin, but why is it like that? Small town bars have sometimes have stalls with no doors. Dude, yeah. it fucking blows my <laughs> mind, man. I I would rather die than take a shit in a small yeah. bar, but. Sometimes there's emergencies. Dude, sometimes you gotta and go. I, I would rather just walk out. Maybe, hopefully, I'm really in the wood, like in the sticks, so I can go find woods. I'd rather go let her <laughs> go nice, in the woods than on a fucking doorless stall. Grab a nice little leaf. <laughs> Dude, good wipeage. Anything, man. That That's horrible. I'm not a fan of the public bathrooms. Maybe, no, whatsoever. maybe lose a sock or part of your shirt or something. You ever done one of those? I, I've had. Oh, dude. Oh, definitely. I've never, I've never been brave enough. I'm, I'm 99 percent of the time I will never go in public. Like I'm, I'm going in the comfort of my own home, and I will hold it. I do got a funny story for you guys. This is another one that I've never told anyone. (laughs) But you know what? Sometimes humility is good. Let it rip. It's good to just let it rip. So, I'm a, I'm a contractor for like roofing and exteriors and shit. The first appointment I went on with my manager, he drove me to this house. It was a hot summer day. And I trusted a fart <laughs> as we were pulling up to this fucking appointment, man. And I sharted. I look at him and I'm like, hey, something bad just happened. I just I just shit myself. <laughs> and dude, I we were just pulling up to the house and I had to go through an hour appointment no. in a homeowner's house. Oh, no. Swass, 
all that shit, man. I got tears coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it was rough. And so the- <laughs> I've I've never actually. I think I told Cody about it one time, but a very similar experience to where I work for a masonry company. I'm the business manager of it, and we were doing this super cool job on this island called yeah. Spider Island, and we had to take <laughs> yeah. a pontoon out there. Oh, it was shit. badass. So so the owner, who's also a really close friend of mine, he hits up Cody to do his videography he brings his drone out like we're gonna get some sweet shots get some drone footage everything's gonna be sweet i drive him there that morning the minute we pull up i go to get out of the vehicle as i'm making that transition of getting out of my vehicle i'm like oh it happened no warning didn't i had no clue that this was about to go down so i'm sitting there like holy fuck, we're about to get on this pontoon. We're going to rip out of this island. It's going to be a couple hours. It's hot as fuck. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I start looking around, and now I'm sweating profusely because I'm nervous as fuck. <laughs> I'm looking around. We're at a public access. I'm like, all right, there's there's porta potty back there. So what I did in this situation to yeah. bring back the cut off a sock, <laughs> I, I just had to... I had to go full commando, man. I had to. I had to <laughs> yeah. what you so do. I, I actually, I go about 10, 15 feet in the woods. I get completely. Well, I had my shirt on still, but I'm completely naked, <laughs> fucking taking my dirty ass shit in underwear, wiping my ass shit. I'm like, all right, this looks like a good spot. Throw it in the woods. <laughs> Put my shorts back on. I'm like, all right, ready to rip. Did Didn't, you jump in the water after? I didn't have to. I thought the cleanup <laughs> job went yeah. pretty decent. Luckily, I, I never said anything. No one fucking noticed. I was like, fucking Christ. It's, yeah. funny. it's funny that he he told me this actually a couple weeks after this happened. I was with him that day because he was bringing me there because I was doing a video for his company. And I remember that moment. I was like, damn, is he mad at me or something? Like, he's being really short with me. I'm like, we, we were there early. It was like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., something like that is when you picked me up. Anyways. I was like, yeah, he's being, when we got there, it was like normal car ride. And then we got there and he was like being really weird with me. I'm like, dude, did I like, did I say something? Did I do something? Yeah. yeah. And then come to find out he just shit himself. <laughs> hey, cheers to Chardon, man. <laughs> cheers, brother. <laughs> all right. If we're getting embarrassing. All right, all right, I, I, I got one embarrassing story. As long okay, as we're all laying God, it out there. Stop me from saying my next one. <laughs> Get us a little break. Okay. I'll, I'll lay one out here. All right. I'm, I'm bear hunting. I'm out in the middle of Ontario. I'm in Armstrong Station, Ontario. Oh, shit. The, it is, the closest town is 70 kilometers south of where we're at, right? Can you say that in miles? I'm going to guess 50-something. Okay. I don't know. I okay. don't know the conversion. Motherfucker goes kilometers on <laughs> Go us. Like, no, that's how it is. In okay, I don't know that shit. That's what it is. <laughs> so we're, we're 70 kilometers away from the closest town, and the closest town is powered by diesel generators. They don't even have running like regular electric. Oh, so shit. I'm in the middle of nowhere, right? We're in camp. And the the porta potties, they're not even really porta potties. They're just huge holes dug in the ground with with like a seat, and then you just like shit into a hole, and it just <laughs> falls in this like twenty foot deep hole. And then at Damn. the end of the season, they bury it and then dig an next one, new season. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in my camp. I'm in the camp. The tradition in the camp is if you shoot your bear um, that night, you drink like a huge cup of Jack Daniels, and then obviously oh, that leads to more. <laughs> So the day after I shot a bear, I am very hungover. It's probably six in the morning. Oh, that's the worst. I trusted a fart a little bit too much. <laughs> and it ended up being not just a shark. Like full blown. Oh, it was wet. It was wet. Oh. It was full blown. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm so hungover to the point where I contemplated just letting it be for a minute. <laughs> 
I'm like, I might just sit this one out. But then I realized, like, no, I need to get up. This is disgusting. I'm living in squalor right now. I had about 10 minutes of fight in my head. I get up and I realize the situation is worse than I had previously thought. <laughs> so I got to do like a legs together penguin shuffle to, oh, the, that's the, worst. to the outhouse, right? And there's still people up drinking from the night before. So they watch me. My, my tent was perfectly on the opposite side of camp. So I had to go through this huge open area and everyone saw me. <laughs> Doing this little shuffle. What's going on with that doing guy? Doing this little <laughs> shuffle across the camp. They're, they were saying some words to me, and I did just completely ignored them. Just pretend like I didn't even see them. Acted like you were drunk. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and I get there, same deal. I realize I'm in too deep. I just ball up the underwear right down into the hole. <laughs> call it a day. It would never be seen again. Never so be we're seen good. again. It's covered up now. Dude, it's oh, funny man. that we're talking about that, because I just realized it all makes sense. My gamer take on PlayStation is musty cheeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> it all makes sense now. I, I love how all those stories always start with, so I trusted a fart. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to everyone. It's going to happen to you soon. I was going to say, if someone says that that has never happened to them, they're lying. Oh, you're For sure. Liar. Everyone For sure. shit themselves at one, to a degree at some point Dude. in your life and that is like one of the most traumatic feelings in that moment because you're like oh fuck <laughs> it doesn't get much worse man <laughs> especially when you got a whole day ahead of you and there's no options to go home whatever like, mm. god it, it just weighs on a man oh it does do you do you ever get nerves like going up for a performance to the point where it's like i might i might need to like clear my body i need to clear my system out right now before i go up i used to i used to uh when I was younger, when I first got into it, I would get it tied in before like major sporting events too. Like I'd get like I'd feel like I'd have to either piss, but I don't, or I'd have, feel like I'd had to shit, mm-hmm. and I yep. didn't. Before every fucking football game or wrestling match, I always felt like that, and then it, that tied into performances at first. I'd be like, "Oh fuck, I feel like I gotta piss." Mm. Two minutes later, oh shit, I think I have to shit. Yep. One minute later, damn, I gotta piss again. Try to go there. I'm sitting there like. Trying to push it out like mm, nothing, just Got nerves. It. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> suspenseful, yeah, I right? See, I can see that. I've always wondered that because I go up and go into concerts where it's like over. I'm gonna say over 300 people. Yeah, the difference between like 300 and I'm gonna say a thousand. Yeah, is not very noticeable because it just seems like a shit ton. Yeah, definitely. And one time, so. So the first half Seventh Street where we're doing the show right now. Yep. That I think the sellout capacity is like two twenty five. We were like ten away from that two years ago when we did the show during uh, COVID or three years ago now I think it was twenty twenty. Yeah, three years ago. That when you're in a smaller jam packed area when it's packed to that limit is better than one year I opened for Fetty Wap at the Mankato Homecoming show. I think they had like thirty five hundred people. Damn. It was in the like a, a big arena, but. The smaller like dive bar kind of feel when it's packed like that was so much cooler, bro. Yeah. Like the 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 thirty five hundred people, it was like cool. I did get nervous. I almost shit myself again. I probably <laughs> I bet. But yeah, no, I think the the smaller scale when they're packed out is cooler. Moral of the story: never, absolutely never trust a fart on stage. No, never trust a fart. Could you imagine the embarrassment of shitting yourself in front of two hundred twenty five people in a packed room? I'm sure it would, wouldn't smell too good. Someone's going to say something. Yo, Yo what's that smell? Like, yeah. Wh- wh- why is your, why is, you better not be wearing khakis because if there's oh, like a can't. wet spot oh on my your butt, God. Oh. 
That's, That'd be the worst. Just nightmares. That's going up on TikTok. And you're going sudden, viral. You're known as the shit guy. I will tell you, if it did happen to me, I'm going to take that shit and run with it. You got to right? own it. You got to <laughs> own it or you're fucked. <laughs> Dude, it's either, yeah, you, you let the embarrassment hit you or you're like, fuck it. I'm the guy that shit myself. Right. <laughs> Give yourself a little, a little name change, you know, like so, little, little shits or something. Yeah. With, with the music career in general, what what do you think is your is your why? Like, what pushes you to want to keep it going further? That is a great question. To keep it going further, I think it's just the love of it, man. Like. I, like I was saying earlier with the transition I made from going from like the main goal for me back then was to be famous or mm. get rich off of it. I think now my why is just because I love doing it. There's no really rhyme or reason or other reason as to why. I think I just, I enjoy doing it. If I get blessed enough to get a hit song that puts some money on the table for me, fuck yeah, that's awesome. But <laughs> yeah. like now I just do it because I love it. So that's the why essentially just yeah. the love of it. Love that. Yeah, man. Love that. That's way more important because Here's the thing. You get stuck in this loop of like, oh, I just want to make money. And then you make money. And then it's like, oh, but now I just want to get more followers. Bro. And you get more followers. And it's like, but I just want to make more money. Speak. And it, it's just like this hamster wheel. Bro, when I, this just ties into the arrogance I had back then. I would charge people for studio time in just a little home studio. The first time I met Jordan, like when we started hanging out, I charged, what would I charge you? Like 40 an hour or something. And he came through a couple of times. And then one day I was like, yo. We should just start hanging out, bro. Don't pay me anymore. Like, I remember that to this day. Yeah, bro. And then it just turned into like, let's be friends, bro. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're fucking friends, dude. Like, I feel bad taking your money. Yeah, that's literally what it was. I was like, why? I'm enjoying making music with you. I'm. Why do I need your forty bucks right now? Right. Like, let's just fucking kick it, man. Right. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so now that you have a few years in the in the music game and you've done shows and whatnot, have is there an idol of yours that you've got to meet in person or anybody that you've been starstruck by where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm in this position right now? A couple people. Um, Bobby Raps is one. Oh, Super chill. Yeah, Super cool yeah, guy. Dude. When he came, to, when we did the show with him, when Waterwave did the show with him, it was last year. He uh, he was here for a couple days and he was just having a studio session and I, I got to go there with Eric and Kelvino and he played us a bunch of shit. He played us some like unreleased future that he produced. That's crazy. And I was just sitting there and I was like, dude, this dude, is he's worked with sick, so many man. cool people. Dude, produced hits, man. So many cool people. Yeah. Man. Even songs himself that he's yeah. on. Like he just a, seems like a such a cool guy. He's super chill, man. He's a super humble guy. Like he's he's down to earth and he's the kind of artist that like when he's back home in terms of like Minnesota, like not in California, I think is where he lives. When he's back home and he like Let's say he would meet you guys and he found out you guys are entrepreneurs, own your own podcast. He would show love to it right away. He'd be like, yo, I fucking love that shit. Let me follow it. Like, he's that kind of guy if you're ever to meet him in person. Like, he loves to show love back home. That's so, sweet. Yeah, dude. He's super cool. Another person, um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Did you ever get to meet Riff Raff when you opened up for him? No, unfortunately not. His manager was a dick. He said, nobody can go in the green room. Nobody can go near Riff Raff. And I was like... Yeah, I get it. Riff Raff's famous, but he's not fucking Drake. All yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Let me just say what's up to the guy. Like, Lil Wayne back there. Yeah, like, fuck. You don't Christ. need three security guards. There's probably 50 18-year-old white guys here and a bunch of yeah. fuck, nobody that's going to do anything to him. You don't need a whole security team. We Nobody's tried strapped getting, up in here. We tried getting Riff Raff on the podcast, and uh, I would got a cameo from him. 
And it was just like I was doing cameos for advertisements for the podcast when Cameo yeah. had first come out. It was like, you know, hey, uh, just say you got to check out ONTAP podcast, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Know, subscribe. And he did a cameo for us. And then on Cameo, they released this feature where you could pay to send them a message. Yep. Just like a, a text. And I literally just had said, I want to have you on the podcast. What would it, what would you charge me for an interview? And he said for like a 10 minute FaceTime interview, it was like six grand. <laughs> so no, like, he is, fun. he is smoking like, dick with that price. Oh, I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, that's we'll crazy. It was, a, it was a lot. For, and it was like 10 minutes. It was like, okay. That's crazy, I mean, but, man. I mean, I would imagine when you get to a point of popularity where people are just reaching out to you all the time, yeah, you can... You just tax the ones that you don't want to do. And if you get it, then it's like, sweet, I got a well, bag. And yeah. let's be real, dude. I mean, at the time, the every platform that ONTAP had, it probably only added up to like a thousand subscribers. Like, I don't even know if it was that much. This was the, around the time where there was, if we went a couple days of getting more than zero downloads, we'd be hyped. You know, Hell so this yeah. was the same time. So in my head, I'm thinking like, this is the coolest shit. Just no one knows about it yet. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> you know, it was just blind confidence. Big Lake is up near here, right? Is it far from here? Big Lake? There's a couple Big Lakes, but I don't know if... Party Alone, have you heard here. of him? Yes. Of course. So I've met him. He's super cool, dude. He comes to Minnesota often, and I'm sure if you guys reached out to him, yeah, we, he'd be, be down so to do So we a had Tommy Boy. Have you ever met Tommy I've met, Boy? I've seen his music. I've never met him in person, so but he's we, really yeah. good. We had him we had on, and, on, and we had him on like the week before he went to the Vikings game with Party Alone, got to go on the field and shit. Tommy Boy comes through. We post a couple of reels of him. Yeah. Party Lone commented on him. He liked him. Like he like, he oh. fucks with his Minnesota people, dude. Yeah. Dude, hard, uh, bro. it's really cool to see people like Party Lone, Minnesota artists. Yeah, man, that are really breaking through, doing songs with Travis Barker. Yeah, that's nuts. Dude, hanging out with Travis Barker. I just I posted a reel with uh, Arden Jones. The yeah, yeah, yeah he's on tour he with opens for my reel. Yeah, I was like, wow, he's just collaborating with everyone. Well, Mod yeah, son. Mod I mean, son. He every time he has an interview, if they ask him who's up and coming, every single yeah, time, he's party, alone. party alone, crazy. Like, that dude is crazy talented. Crazy. He came to the Waterwave store, dude, and he we, we were. I was doing a studio session. He was here from L.A. and he just came down. He's super chill. And this is right after he signed his deal. Right after uh, what's the song called? No Way Home. I think that's what it's called. Or not a home. After yeah. that song released and it went like crazy big, he came back and at first I was like starstruck, and then I was. After talking with him, I was like, yo, this dude's just like one normal of us. Normal dude. Like, yeah. Normal guy, like just giving us game in the music industry. And dude, he, like, we like got to show him some of my music. We were talking about his like music. And yeah, dude, he's super nice. That's crazy. That's a real, he's a really nice guy, man. I wish him nothing but the best. Un yeah. Unbelievably cool to see people like that, obviously from Minnesota, but just like down to earth people actually yeah, getting man. a shot. So I feel like it just doesn't happen much in today's day and age when with like, uh, you know, the popularity being towards short form content like TikToks. Yep. You know, like the TikTokers, like the people that got some TikTok clout, but nothing else. It seems like there's more arrogance there yep, than 100%. ever with any famous people. Am I wrong? No, I completely like, agree. We, we've met a couple people where I would say exclusively have TikTok clout. Like yeah. when I say TikTok clout, like, you know, a couple hundred thousand on TikTok, but then like 600 on everything else. You know, it's, yeah. it's like a weird differentiation between everything else. And these people, they just like got a big head now. It's like they blew up quick. Yep. But like TikTok famous is like not really that famous anymore. Now, if you have 8 million, it's different. But like you said, 
couple hundred K on, on TikTok, basically nothing on the rest. That sounds to me like you had one video that just went nuclear. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's one thing that we we had discovered too is like if you see someone that that will reach out to us and say, like, I want to be on the show. And it's like, okay, sweet. Like obviously we we have no problem like having people on that want to be on. Scroll through their content and it was one video that'll have like 10 million views and then the rest like 600, 400, 100. It's like, okay, this doesn't match up. Yeah. You don't have a following. What? Yeah, what do which, you do? I we, yeah, at that point, yeah. We don't just pick our guests off of who's got the most clout, but obviously it helps. Definitely, and yeah. If somebody just has clout but has nothing to talk about, what's the point of even having you on? I'd rather have, like our last episode, we had a guy on that's never done anything with social media, but he had the stories that you could never get from anybody else. You yeah. Know, we just, we're just here for the content, man. I mean, clout's a plus. If, if they happen to oh, have for that sure. with them, that's great. But otherwise, you know, it's just... It's like the Island Boys. Yeah, they they came in strong. <laughs> they killed it. You I'm know, an they... Island Boy. <laughs> I just saw a video of I don't know which one it is getting arrested, and he's like crying in the back of the cop car. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I didn't do anything Man. wrong. It's it's crazy. It's crazy what clout can do to somebody. Oh, it's yeah. It's fucking. It's dangerous. Crazy. It's very dangerous. Some people will turn quick, and they're just like get mean. Some people get will. Arrogant. Yes. Yeah. It comes from a place of ego, really, I think. I think it is. Um, what do you think would be like a, a top dream collab? Living, okay, I, I guess, I, I guess living or dead. Yep, I have two. Okay. Good thing you said that. One, Mac Miller. I cried when he passed. I listened that to Best Day Ever, one, and man. I fucking bawled my eyes out. And then two, Drake. I A lot of people shit on Drake because he's so mainstream, but... Dude, I think that's the prince of our generation in terms of hip-hop era music. He's... Just every he's just dropped. He's a musical genius, in my opinion. Like, yeah, people can like talk about how with if you're reading this is too late. He had a ghostwriter on it, but dude, it doesn't matter. Everything he drops, whether it's albums or just a single, goes platinum. But also to that same point, like, so what if he had someone else write it? Every yeah. other genre already does that. Why is yeah. it a big deal when rappers do it? And it's literally like he does it every song, dude. That's what rap is, though. It's such a and I, like I love the. I love rap music, obviously, but the thing that sucks the most about it as an artist is it's such a competitive game when it shouldn't be. Yeah. A lot of gatekeeping. Especially, dude, a lot of gatekeeping, and especially just in the Minnesota music scene right now, there's so much gatekeeping, or there's just so much local beef that is nonsense to me. It's, there's just so much like, oh, I'm better than he or them or whoever, or I'm better than so and so, or they're trash. And it's like, dude. Who cares? Like they're fucking making music. It's such a, it's almost like a combat sport in a sense. Like people always, people in the rap scene in Minnesota, I've noticed feed off of negative energy. I think that's just people in general too. Yeah, it's just like the way that culture is going in general. Yeah, it's so much easier to uh, put the negative stuff up on a pedestal because if it if no one else receives it well, then it's just like oh yeah, that was just someone else's bad. Yeah, for sure. Performance or whatever the case might be. You one, know. one thing I look at too is just in terms of um, one thing I notice as an artist is everybody's always saying we need to come together, we need to come together, and I'm just I'm sitting here thinking I'm like, well, yeah, we need to come together, but also we just need to do us and not worry about the next person. Right. In terms of wanting to start random local beef, like so what you you were trying to start like a rap beef with this person per se or whatever, like just do you man, like make music, 
If people like it, they like it. If right. it's not your cup of tea, then fucking go grab a Sprite. I don't know. Fuck. Well, well and that negative energy only gets you so far, too. People might be in when the beef is hot. As yeah. soon as it's done, no one gives a fuck anymore. No. But not if at you all. bring posi- positivity, people remember the feel. It's like, like Mac Miller, like the spins, the most iconic yes, song dude. of Mac Miller. When I hear that song, my whole attitude, it doesn't matter if I'm having the shittiest day or the best day, it's going to get better in yes, one it is. way, shape, or form. And people remember how you make them feel. So at the end of the day, if they yeah. just liked, if they were just tuned in because you were beefing with this other dude, as soon as that beef's over with, they don't give a shit about no, you. no, not at don't. all. My dad always, from a young age, always told me people will never remember what you tell them, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. And that is like such a true thing. I never really understood that until the older I got. Yeah, man. And then realized like I have no idea what the conversations that I've had with all of my friends individually. Yeah, but obviously, like I, I fuck with every single one of them. Like I, yeah, I love them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like I don't know. That's how I don't know how to dude. describe it. It's a feeling. It's a vibe. So dude. when you're when you're on stage, or just in general, when you're in the studio, when you're with other creators, when you're with other musicians, what do you think is the best way to get yourself and them in a headspace that makes it conducive to the creative process for both of you? So like, how do you, basically? In a short way, how do you set the vibe? How do you set the vibe? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, if you want like the honest, how it really goes in the studio, I'm sure Jordan can contest to this. You literally probably sit there and play through 50 beats until one of you or both of you are like, yeah, this is the one. And then when you find the one, you probably play that beat probably, what, two hours in a row? Mike's been there when we create a beat from start to finish and... That's what the that's how it is honestly. Yeah. Like there's no other like way to sugarcoat it. Just honestly you it's you're having a good time, you, you know, like we are right now and then yeah. you're just cycling through beach. Oh, do you like this one? We should we can do something like this. Yeah. Or how would this sound? And then there's no other rhyme or reason to it. It's honestly just it's pretty simple. Some people try to over simplify it, I think is the term I'm looking for. But yeah, it's just especially if it's just you and a bunch of guys trying to make music, you're just bullshitting listening Absolutely. to beats. Just Absolutely, vibe, and that's the vibe. I always, I always try to take the the role of trying to do a little pre planning, where it's like, you know, someone's coming to the studio. I always try to either just directly ask them or get something that I know they like to drink, or maybe even a little bit of extracurriculars, whether it be a, a little bit of smoke, you know, <laughs> yeah. things like that. Yeah, um, that's always a good vibe setter. Yes, you know, it is. They're they're good tools to help set the vibe. Definitely. It is a little bit of a challenge because you got to go a little bit deeper if they if they don't drink if they don't smoke if if whatever so then you don't have these things as a crutch to like rely on then it's like oh man I really gotta you know step it up conversationally here <laughs> definitely so I think you know like um, setting the vibe getting the right music on getting the right vibe on yep and get everyone in the right headspace you know and that was another reason why having a studio we felt was really important to the creative process for this show 100 percent. because like um if we're at someone's house there's that level of oh i gotta take my shoes off at the door i'm 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 at someone else's place this is like a this is not someone else's place this is a communal place like this is everyone's place Mm -hmm. you know so there's that that first barrier is not there it's not like basically how i envision setting the vibe is not um not adding things to force anything but taking away the things that would subtract from it yeah, dude, and make just sense? make it comfortable. Yeah, yeah. If you if you make it just a comfortable environment for whoever maybe that walks in, whoever it is is gonna vibe essentially. 
Right. That's one thing too, I guess, to tie in with it is just make it a comfortable vibe. Especially as artists, you're very vulnerable when you're making shit. Right. So like you just want to be comfortable in that moment. There's been times I've gone into studio sessions. For example, the one with the 21 Savage producer, I was so starstruck to where it caused me to almost feel a sense of not being comfortable. Yeah. So I was like, in my, I started getting in my head, started, yeah, you just want... For that vibe, essentially, you just want it to be a feeling of comfortability. Yeah, because like you said, it, it is a vulnerable moment. Like, yeah. um, I have some friends that like when they're recording, I've been there for it. And, and there is people in there I know that are uncomfortable being in there. Yep. And it makes everyone else kind of uncomfortable because you can oh, kind yeah. of feel that like uneasiness, you know. Dude, energy is real. Like You can oh, feel if somebody's like not feeling it. 100%. Yep. So how do you how do you get into a place where like, especially if you're doing a collaboration where you can comfortably tell someone i know you can do that better without it like sounding like criticism i've always wondered that because like obviously my name is on this track too like my name is on this body of work i want it to be the best that i know i can make it and you know let's say someone puts down a verse and it's kind of half ass Mm -hmm. how do you how do you you know confidently tell them i know you can do better without it sounding like it's too harsh of criticism i think the way it is and i i think i might have spoken to Jordan about this when we first met is I, I say it in terms of myself first. I'll say like, hey, if I'm recording and you don't think it's good enough or if you even even think it's trash, just tell me. There's nothing wrong with creative or con- constructive criticism. I don't take it the wrong way. So I always start by saying, tell me first. And then if somebody's recording, I'm just like, hey, do another take. I do another take. Put more energy into it. Like you, you dumb it down to that instant. You don't necessarily say, "Yo, that shit was trash." Because some people will take it the wrong way, and then that turns into them having a problem with you. And you're like, "Yo, I don't want no smoke, man. I'm just telling right. you, you could have hit that C note a little better." Right. You know, like. <laughs> but no, it's it's honestly just showing to make an artist more comfortable. Show your vulnerability, so then they are they feel comfortable to show their vulnerability. What do you think? Now I'm going. Totally clickbait YouTube title with this one here. Okay. What do you think the, the you know, like the implementation of AI into music is going to do for the local music scene, like the small level music scene? I think it's fucked up. Because you honestly. can, I mean, you can, yeah. you can make an entire song without willing to having to do anything yourself. Yeah. I, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of it just even for local or even big artists because some, some artists can do a song with themselves and then they can do AI Drake. Yep. And the AI Drake will sound immaculate. It and then great. some, they might blow up and then it's like, dude, you're congrats. Kudos. Like you made it, but you made it off of a computerized version of an artist you idolize. Right. It's not, I don't think it's right. I also don't, I, AI is getting crazy, man. It takes away from everything. I yeah. mean, there obviously are benefits of it, like with our editing process. It Chat takes GPT away, takes away certain, you know, just Dude. button clicking that you get sick of doing. But man, is it insane, especially with the schools and homework and shit. Yeah, dude. Just type in anything. Type you me want. a five paragraph essay about whatever it may be <laughs> at a fifth grade level, yeah, you know, or whatever literally. the case is. Dude, it's insane. Yeah, uh, the I don't understand how uh, schools can continue the same way that they are right now with this all coming out. There's no way, dude. It's gonna change There's so no much way. over the next like ten years, man. Like when we when not when your child is grown, like like. Middle school, high school, I bet it's going to be so crazy with AI I don't think it's going to be the same. I don't think it's going to be... I, I think it's going to be changed drastically in the next 
five to 10 years. It's, yeah. It has to. It has Because to, if they don't keep up, like, we're just never going to learn anything. No. Like, we'll be so dumb because people will just type it in the computer. And then all of a sudden, we won't have computers and the, because someone takes it out or whatever yep. the case is. And then everyone's screwed. Like, we won't know how to do anything. Nope. Going to be very uh, dependent. Well, I remember as a kid... I had every single one of my friends' phone numbers memorized, every single one of my family members' yep. you know, phone numbers memorized. And there's still a few that I remember, but very little now. I'm yeah. going to say five or less phone numbers that I could rattle off to you right now <laughs> of my close friends and family. Yep. Back in the day, it was like 20 in my head. Dude. I was like, all right, this is, uh, this is Jake's number. Yeah. All right. Blah, 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 blah. But now you just don't have to. You go in your contacts, yep, you hit it's it. It's right there. Dude, You've I still driving. This, yeah, yeah. Even driving. I don't know how to get that fucking anywhere. Nope. <laughs> Google Maps, let's go, baby. Dude, to this day, I still remember the fucking Pizza Hut phone number, the six five one four eight 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 eight. Pizza Hut delivery is on its way. That shit, that shit was a hit. <laughs> so when you're when you're making music, yep. Do you keep in mind also now, like taken away from like the Pizza Hut number thing? How do you try to get your your uh, your earworms, so to speak? Like, how do you come up with the melodies that you think people will stick in their mind? That's a great question because, see, I used to get caught up so much in um, – this will tie in with, like, wanting to be famous. I would used to get so caught up in, yo, what is catchy? What are people going to want to sing along to or what are people going to repeat that I'm saying? And that almost can become a crutch due to um, – what did you say earlier? Paralysis due to analysis. Yeah. So you start doing that shit and you're like – You'll spend two hours listening to a beat trying to just think so hard on something that people will think is catchy, when in reality, you just got to make what's coming to your mind at that time. Yep. It might sound stupid, but let, let an instrumental play, you know, just sound out a sound like, shit like that, so you have that melody of how you want your syllables to go in terms of what you're saying, then you just write shit that makes sense at that point. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. You ever gone down this rabbit hole of like, sound theory or music theory and like what what you know chord structures create what melodies and things Honestly, like that no that's, that's <laughs> probably a good, yeah. good thing that's some nerd shit that's probably a good yeah. thing because i feel like that's immediately the route that i would go down if i ever tried to pursue music well I would you're be a big like, researcher you said so right? yeah yeah i would i would figure out like what's the puzzle that makes this and how can i kind of figure this out yeah man that's literally honestly one thing I learned about music through this journey is it's just a big numbers game because everything's in an account, a four count or an yep. eight count or it's always it's actually always a four count. So like when you write uh, verses for rap songs, you're either doing an eight bar verse or a 16 bar verse or 12 bar. But it's always in counts of four, like the one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So it's a big numbers game, especially when producing, because you're you'll have the entire um, the DAW pulled up. And the DAW is essentially kind of like what you're using right there. Yep. I'm sure you know that. And uh, you're, you're looking at when you're creating this beat, you have numbers and it's the count of the beat. So it's the BPM. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way up to however many seconds it is or minutes. And a lot of guys can produce just by knowing what the numbers are. They know it's where crazy. to put the certain sound because they know where that's going to hit in terms of that count. I don't know how to do that yet. I know how to write music. I've tried to produce, and I can't fucking get it yet. I just, just it's a that's a different ball game. Man. I would imagine, yeah, because then you get into like the science of it, dude. It's a fucking wormhole, man. <laughs> well, shit, Jake. I mean, we're getting towards the end of the show. Let's talk about what is the July twenty fifth? Is that the date? Yeah, man. So how how many artists are going to be on on the card there? Yeah. So we got 
we got myself, Calvino, we have Jordan, or I'm self, sorry, my bad, bro. We have self, and then we have Kent Vinyl, we have Rock Solid Music Group, we have um, Zateb, and we have Rock Barboza, so that's five or six acts. I'm losing <laughs> count. But then I also have two surprise guests that are going to perform on it. Uh, I have Student One that's going to perform at the show, and I also have a group that's called the BDE Boys. They're down in uh, Mankato. There we go. And uh, yeah, man, it's going to be super dope. I'm super excited. The last time I did a first half show, it was during COVID. We got hit with the last minute man- mask mandate and vaccine card mandate. And we should look this up after I say this to see if we can get in trouble for this. But we printed a bunch of negative tests. <laughs> <for people. laughs> and we just started passing them out to people like, yo, just here. You got to innovate. And, you got to uh, innovate. <laughs> Yeah, allegedly we allegedly. did that. Allegedly. There's no proof. And um, yeah, man, we, we got super close to a sellout. It was 10 tickets short, but I think we're going to sell it out this time. Fuck yeah, man. We so. can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I've never been I've never been to that venue. I've it's only been to a handful awesome. of concerts and it's been I, a new experience. I've only been there once, 2012. I saw Odd Future there. Oh, fuck. And they were still like on Dude. the come up. It was badass. I, I can't promise sweet. you that it's going to be like that level, but you're going to have a good ass time. I'm like, excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to see all the water wave guys there. I'm excited to meet all the rest dude, of the water wave guys. They're, they're awesome, bro. You're going to love them. Well, Fuck, yeah. Jake, where can, where can everyone find you on socials? Uh, yeah. Handles? So uh, Instagram is Jake Giller Music. Twitter is Jake Giller Music. Facebook, Jake Giller Music. You can just <laughs> search that. Uh, and yeah, you can find me even on YouTube, just Jake Giller Music. It's pretty simple. Um, yeah. Great and music. Hell you yeah. dropped a new song today? Yes, I did. I dropped a song titled Maintain featuring Trey Mua. Um, it's track number two on a project I'll be dropping here within the next three weeks, I'd say, titled Reflective Therapy. It's basically a project that embodies self-reflecting. So talk about a bunch of different different emotions I went through, through through the years in terms of when I took this hiatus of a year and a half of not dropping music and how I felt and where I was at those times. And I just put it out there for everyone to listen and... uh hear my wins losses and just emotions that i went through so I'm hell super yeah excited. awesome hell yeah i can't wait to yeah, hear man. it super excited thanks for coming on dude thanks, thanks for having me gentlemen appreciate it yeah